first I want to welcome you all. The entire reason for this church plant is we're different. We're authentic and a church of action, a church of evangelism, outreach, and discipleship. So whether you're listening or if you're here in person, you're going to see quite a bit of different things over the life of our church and how quickly we move compared to, you know, some of the other, uh, what you might be used to with some churches. We want to multiply disciples and plant microchurches. We want to multiply and spread God's word. Now, with planning a church, you take all kinds of assessments and you, you take courses. And what I kept hearing is preach soft in order to fill seats. Well, like I said, we're different. And we don't preach soft, but we preach from the Bible. Our opinion doesn't really matter. It's been written years ago. It was correct then, and it's correct now. You know, the American church, a lot of them have stagnated. And if you compare it to apples, many American churches started to hoard apples. And they gather these apples and put them in a pile. And some are green, some are red. They don't really care about that. But they stack up all these apples in a big pile. And then they say, look how great we are. You know, apples are meant to be used. They're nourishment. And you make things out of them. You improve upon them. And if you don't do that, what happens to apples that are in a big pile? They just sit and rot. We want to be a church where God will come along that apple orchard and he picks you out for your purpose and your drive and what he had planned for you. We're not worried about entertaining or filling seats. A lot of times people build the best church man or the world can make. And... A lot of times that's what happens with churches today. You know, we're not that type of organization. We want to be living the way the Lord wants us to live, the way the Word says. And we're not the church. I'm not the head guy that, you know, a lot of times pastors are up on a pedestal as a celebrity. I am not that guy. I am just another member of this church, and we all grow together. We build together. We don't lead and build the church the way we want. We build the way God wants it, the way Scripture says. You are the branches, and we are the fruit. Now, in John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, getting back to talking about that apple orchard, don't you want to be that fruit that God picks? He has a plan for your life. We want to bear much fruit, disciple, and multiply. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Now, it's pretty clear to me what he wants us to do. Amen? It says command you. Not could you if you have time. No, it says command you. In Acts 13.47, it again says, So the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. 
Romans 10 17 says so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ so we must feed ourselves and the feed ourselves a word and share it with others we must share many parts of the world are doing this it's growing quickly in China Latin America and Africa but in America we're so busy with ourselves we make time for all the gifts God's given us but not time for God himself in America we will spend hours on Facebook and television gaming but we don't have time for God. We have time for work and organizations and golf and fishing, sports, whatever it is, but not God. Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. God created us. Without God, you wouldn't exist. We need to really think about our priorities we must feed ourselves and feed ourselves a word and others a word. And you'll be amazed at what happens. In Mark 8, 34 and 35, it says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake of the gospel will save it. God is a God of everything. He is so good. Now, you have your work and you can have your organizations and your golf and your fishing and sports and still disciple. And you can say, yeah, 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 that's why I fish so much. If you don't take anybody fishing for five or six years, you need to rethink that because you need other people. And when you do that, He'll make you fishers of men. The more we have a relationship with the Trinity, the more we feed ourselves on the scripture, the clearer it becomes. We evolve, we gain, we have joy. He is very clear. Galatians 5.22 and 24 tells us what he wants. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, what a truly wonderful way to live. What I'm saying is somehow the American church has got to a place of seat warmers, what we call one-hour warriors. People give God a solid half hour on Sundays unless they get an important text or Facebook message. Then they live 167 hours out in the world to what they were doing the whole 167 other hours of the week. What we need to do is be fed and grow our relationship with God. He doesn't want you for a half hour. He wants you the whole 168 hours. The good news is, the 168 hours of the world usually is not that great unless you're walking with a relationship with the Trinity. Now, the more you grow, the less you care about the world. The more you'll care about everlasting life. You know this is just a short time and just the start of all the amazing gifts. 
We've been given so much. I want to share my favorite verse. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I want to share my favorite verse. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. How powerful is that? And why would you want to do any less than that? Amen? Let's think about the awesomeness of a deep relationship with the Trinity and imagine how he loves us, that he created your life knowing you weren't going to listen. He had to give his life for you. He loved you so much he gave you an instruction guide. It's called the Bible. He gave us a Holy Spirit. He gave us joy and peace. He has given us everything. In Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing that you may be abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is pretty clear in writing that. Paul had experience in peace and joy of God, and he had the harshness of the world. Paul wrote in Romans 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope and glory of God. Jesus wants you to spend time with him. He wants to spend time with us. The God that created everything wants you. Can you think of how incredible that is? Can you think of anything better than that? You may not always be happy, but you'll always have joy. You'll no longer be empty. You'll be fulfilled. And you'll have a purpose and a calling. It may be the disciple in your career as an accountant. It may be at self-checkout at Walmart line. You might be able to speak to somebody about God or plant a seed. It may be as a missionary in Haiti. It may be many things, but you can have so much more than just the world. The world offers just a tiny, tiny fraction of what you could have every day. Don't waste the short time you have on the earth. You may be the only Bible a person you disciple to reads. And if you start living through Christ, you will wish you would have sooner. I'm not saying it'll be perfect. We're all flawed. But deepening your walk with him. If you haven't taken the Lord into your life, if you're not born again, I would invite you to contact us. I'm not talking about saying a prayer and then going back to what you were doing. I'm talking about really dedicating your life and getting to know Christ, getting to know the Trinity. We'd be happy to speak with you today or any day. You can contact us, you know, after the service here, or you can just message us and we'll talk to you privately. In discipling, I have a challenge. Just throughout the week, message people and say, 
I hope you're having a great day. God bless. Just start planting them seeds. And you'll see each one of you are important to God. Let's grow together in the Trinity. Thank you. How you guys doing this morning? Today uh, we're pretty excited. We're going to be starting in John 1. And you know, John is uh, such a powerful book. So let's just get started here. John 1. In the beginning was a word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Now here John shows that Jesus is fully human and fully God. And so what does John mean when he says a word? Because in that day it was used in a different way. Theologians and philosophers used it in many different ways, but it's not as we use it today. It wasn't referring to the Bible, of course, or the way we use the word today. Now in John 1-2 it says, He was with God in the beginning. And God has always existed. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. So he is a source of eternal life. In short, he's really everything. Many times people begin to treat God as an option and he's not. He's the only reason we're here. It's not your business. It's not socializing. It's not your house or your car. Not your money. They come and go. Without God, you would not only have nothing, you would not exist. And it goes on to tell us in John 1.3, Through him all things are made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. When God created, he created something from nothing. So think about it. Just this pen. First, you'd need to create the raw substances. Then figure out how to make plastic and metal and inks. And then the mechanical functions. Then design it and put it all together to operate. And that's just a simple version. It's really even more steps than that. I explained this is just a pen. God created the universe, the galaxies, the terrains, the seas, the animals, us, and so much more. It's more than comprehension, really. The more I develop my relationship with God, the more I realize how spectacular he is. We are created beings, and we only exist because God created you. You only have special gifts because God gave them to you. With God, you're so special. If you try to live apart from him, you're really nothing. If you go away from God, you abandon your purpose and what you're made for. How many times do we do that, though? Everything's going really good, so you start to tippy-toe off that path. You're like, I got this. Then all of a sudden, you're in the forest, stuck in a swamp, wondering what happened. That's when you see the worldly issues pop up. It's easy to do. It's like cheating on your diet or taking a spouse for granted. You can do it, but it has terrible end results. Please stop and think about everything you owe to God. Yet, how many hours do you dedicate towards God and your purpose every week? How much time do you spend on worldly things and things that don't glorify God every week? On a daily basis, how much do you pray and read scripture and disciple? Please take that with you and think about it throughout the week. Have some serious reflection and thought on it. Now in John 1.4, 
In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. Nothing will overcome or extinguish God's light. Jesus is a creator of life. Jesus brings light to mankind. In his light, we can see ourselves for who we really are. We're sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus knows that. We go through the Bible, you'll see how much he does for us every hour, every day, every second. When you follow Jesus' true light, you can avoid walking blindly off the path. We don't need to fall into sin. He lights a path ahead of us so we can live. He removes the darkness of sin from our lives. Now, the question is, do you allow the light of Christ to shine into your life? If you let Christ in your life, you'll keep from stumbling in the dark. Now, I'll say many parents and many churches have not shown how to do this in decades. It's all right there, and we spoke about it last week. We get so busy with God. God's given us so much that we forget about God. Over decades of moral deterioration of the church and the family, it's made it a new normal, and it's not good or normal. We get off the path, and pretty soon we're stuck in the swampy mud pulling us down. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect, because we're not. We're going to screw up every day. But there's a way, a guiding light, a guiding way to keep you on that path. And while you might stumble off that path, if you're following God, it's going to direct you back onto that path very quickly. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God is a light, and nothing can overcome God. Not the devil, not worldly ways, not anything. The light and glory will come to shine forever and ever. John 1.6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's referring to John the Baptist. He's very unique. If you haven't read about John the Baptist, you need to. He wore weird stuff and he ate strange foods. He was appointed by God to announce the arrival of Jesus. He preached repentance and he was uncompromising and he was fearless. Now today we judge clothes. We look at status and charisma, especially in the lake area. Be honest with yourself. Do you socialize with people that aren't like you? If someone's different from you, do you stray away from them? I wonder if after church here, you seen John the Baptist in a park and he was looking a little different. And he was dressed weird munching on some locusts, would you sit down with him? Would you listen? Would you let him baptize you? I say that because many times people think it's easier to follow back then, and that's an excuse. It is way easier now to follow than back then. John 1.7 He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, Jesus Christ is a true light. He helps us see our way and shows us how to walk along the way. His path and your purpose. Christ has shown and chosen to shine a light on both followers and unbelievers. We're not the light, but we're to point people towards Christ's light. And that's where the discipling comes in. 
John 1 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Even the people chosen to prepare the world to the Messiah rejected him. Even though the Old Testament pointed to his coming. I know it's easy to say, what fools. But how would you react today? How would you react today if after the service you stop by the gas station and Jesus taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, I'm God. Would you have the faith? Would you instantly believe? I would like to think we would. And if not, if you're not to that point, maybe once we study more together and grow more together, you'll know the signs. You'll know what God does for us. You'll know what Jesus does for it, what the Holy Spirit does for us. It's a tremendous, tremendous thing. John 1.12 says, Yet to all those who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 1.13, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Many welcomed Jesus Christ in their lives. They were reborn spiritually, receiving new life from God. Through faith in Christ changes us from the inside out. It changes our attitudes, our desires, our motives. Being born of God makes you spiritually alive and puts you in God's family. Have you asked God to make you a new person, a fresh start, a new improved life, an everlasting life? How awesome is that? We have that opportunity today. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The Word became flesh. It became human. And by doing so, Christ was a perfect teacher. We see how God thinks and how we should think. And it gives us power to live that way. Jesus came as a sacrifice for all our sins. His death satisfied them sins. You see, when Christ was born, God became man. He was completely human and completely divine. This made God a visible, tangible person. He became the perfect expression of God in human form. It's just incredible that God did this for us. The love he has for us is so amazing. In John 1.15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. John 16. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Law and grace are both aspects of God's nature. And now God is revealed in Jesus. Whereas the Old Testament, it was stone tablets. Now through Christ's life, We can actually hear his teachings, and as you study the Bible, you'll understand God's will. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. In the Old Testament, prophets were given specific messages. God, the one and only, Jesus is both 
God and the Father's Son. God revealed his nature in a way that can be seen and touched. In Christ, God became man who lived on earth. Think about that for a moment. Jesus had greater temptations than will ever have. His everyday life was much more difficult, yet he remained perfect. We complain about what number to set our bed at or what, how thick a pillow top mattress to get. They had no bed. We complain about not having a car we want. They walked everywhere. We complain about our housing. Jesus had none. In closing, if you really think about our technology, our luxuries, our speed, we should be doing so much more for God, yet we don't. We can reach thousands of people a day if we want through uh, social media, phones, talking to people in different ways. How many have you reached out to this week? I would urge you to speak with us on how to disciple the people. We'll be starting classes soon on how to everyday disciple, how to plant that seed. We cannot save people, but we can plant that seed and keep planting that seed and live by example and show others what a great life this can be. Thank you.